Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad alongside only Hollywood Heath Pierce today because Chuck Wagon is in Minneapolis for the MLS All-Star Game and he says he's busy. Personally, I think he's getting a massage and this podcast stuff is beneath him today. Heath, what are you saying? I'm going to be there, Jimmy. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yeah, you're not but, there hey, now. Just, you're not missing the podcast. I dedicate. Yeah, I... I I build my life around this podcast to make sure that I don't miss it. My flight is later today. I'm getting in late. I'm missing some festivities, but it's all for the vibes and for the people that are dedicating the their time to watching and listening, man. So, so, but what do you think Charlie's doing right now? Because I'm saying I don't know. Like, Char- like, uh, like, like, there's a there's somebody walking on his back right now with hot coals or something mm-hmm. crazy. You know, yeah. I can see him getting. He into definitely, that. <laughs> he definitely, he definitely had whatever the Michelin star restaurant is last night, you know, and slowly made his way to bed, probably staying at a different hotel than most are because of the quality of life he demands uh, of himself. And then this morning, like you said, probably recovering with a nice little massage, probably one of those, uh, those uh, IV had somebody uh, do the IVs over at his hotel, you know, for his recovery. He's got it all working. We're all very jealous of Charlie and his lifestyle. Well, after an exciting last few days of football, foosball, soccer around the world, We have plenty of things to talk about on this episode, especially as it pertains to the guys that are part of the U.S. men's national team player pool, because some did well over the last few days, some did not, and some were kind of in between. But Heath, I think we got to start with a team that has the most American involvement from a coaching and playing perspective. We already know there's a ton of American owners getting in on European clubs, and that seems to be a growing trend, but that's a conversation for another time. I'm talking about Leeds, as Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams both made their Premier League debuts under Jesse Marsh and Leeds' big come-from-behind 2-1 win, which saw Tyler be a vital cog in the sequence for the winning goal as he broke the lines with a good forward pass and ended with Brendan helping finish it at the back post to seal a very important three points. Let's talk about that game in particular. Mm -hmm. Which of the Americans he thought of Jesse Marsh, Tyler Adams, and and Brendan Aronson was the best of those three? Because I feel like they all had some shine around them. It was a good first start for Leeds in particular. Mm -hmm. I almost tweeted this weekend when the goal started with Tyler Adams and ended with Brendan Aronson. I was like, uh, I almost tweeted that (laughs) the most American thing ever would be to tie all that together to just being like Americans did this, you know, like the flow of a 90 minute game happens, but the the pass from Tyler Adams, the the, the way we overanalyze all those moments. But I thought it's tough to say. I mean, the way Jesse Marsh had this team, Roaring, especially at times, the press at times looked really good. What I what I worry about is not to get too deep into the to the this Leeds podcast uh, of tactics, but uh, I, I don't love them in a deep block. Tyler Adams at times does feel a little bit slower than I'd like him to be at the Premier League pace in terms of when the game gets past him, he doesn't have that recovery speed of the Premier League to like close those gaps. So he's gonna have to be a little bit smarter as to when he overcommits. Um, and make sure that everyone's overcommitting behind him because at times then there's that gap, his recovery speed. Uh, not to say that, I mean, there's a ton of sixes around the world that don't have 
blazing or blistering pace. Are, so are you um, saying Sergio Busquets that, is not a cheetah? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Sergio Busquets yeah. is not I'm saying Sergio Busquets knows that he shouldn't <laughs> run up to be the first line of a press because he's, he's, you know, his truck is beeping when he goes backwards. So like, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not holding Tyler. I'm not saying Tyler Adams, you need to get faster because it's not going to happen. It's more of like picking and choosing those moments when the game happens fast. But I thought all three of them had a, had a fantastic uh, sort of, Performance, Jesse Marsh getting into an argument. Uh, love that. I got nothing but love for that. Kind of getting heated in the moment. Uh, Tyler Adams, again, playing very, very simple for most of the game, which I just really like about his game as being complimentary, picking and choosing his moments, knowing the time and place of when to try to be a little creative and when to just simplify the game, knowing he's got players around mm -hmm. him. And then Brendan Aronson just being busy all the time uh, translates well into the way that leads are going to play. Again, looking at him and, and uh, Jack Harrison, both pressing for that for that first goal, a little bit opportunistic on the goal, but both pressing really, really well to to cough up a ball in a good spot and gets them right in front of the frame, take a chance and goal. So overall, just a really positive one. Um, looking at Leeds, what was your take uh, overall? Yeah. Was there any glaring glaring things for you on the positive or the negative? Well, we're gonna hear from Brendan here pretty quick, but before we get to his sound and his interview after the game, what I'll say about Jesse is that it's clear that he has his fingerprints on the team that he is instilling his belief in philosophy, which obviously is going to be different from Marcelo Bielsa, but there's still going to be traits that exist from the previous coaching staff. And, and obviously Bielsa is one of the greatest. So that makes a lot of sense, but there seems to be this. And I think you highlighted there in the first goal where once they lose the ball, that, that, that not because at times you see, and I guess I'm kind of in the mode of coaching younger players, but there's that moment of, I'm feeling sorry for myself. And then they switch back on and try to win it back, right? And I just like the immediate chase and all that stuff. Again, that was still Bielsa-esque, and that's not isolated to Bielsa. I mean, that happens all over the world. But but I like that there's that and that they're still poking and prodding and trying to create their own luck, and, and that ultimately led to the first goal, which they needed because they were down 1-0 at that point, and that was – had they gone down 1-0 at halftime, I think we maybe would have seen a little bit of a different result. With regard to Tyler in particular, I thought that was interesting, the, the recovery speed and maybe the recognition of when to recover. And what I think I love about his game the most is his adaptation. He, he's going to figure it out very quickly. He's, his IQ for the game is, is very high. And what I loved about the second goal in particular was that he did make a pass forward and broke the lines – which I mm -hmm. don't see a lot of, especially when he plays for the national team. It's a lot of simple passes, which again, ultimately 95% of the time, that's what we want out of him. But I like that he has that tool in his tool belt where he can make that pass if he's looking for it and if his players are supporting him in a way because they know he can make that pass. So all these little things. And I just think he's going to continue to grow into the Premier League as this goes on. They got Southampton next away from home. Another big test, but Southampton, not one of the top six. You know, So, so there's still a nice uh, learning curve that they could use against some of the teams that a little bit more scrappy, I would say, than, than maybe the top, top, top. With regard to Brendan Aronson, you know, again, creating your own luck, getting at the back post, love his busyness. And I know that I posed a question on Friday about if Aronson's playing really well and Pulisic isn't playing a lot, even though Pulisic, I thought, looked pretty bright and hungry when he came on for Chelsea against Everton. And in some ways, given how boring that first 30 minutes of that game was, Pulisic should go in there and ask to, to start next time around. And of course, of course, Tuchel afterwards is like, we're looking to make more signings. I'm like, that's not the answer I wanted to hear from Thomas Tuchel. But before I take any steps further into another player and another team, let's hear from Brendan Aronson after his performance uh, against uh, the team they played against, which I totally blanked on. Wolves. Let's listen to it right now. Hey, congratulations. Was that the way you imagined it when you, your head hit the pillow last night? <laughs> I mean, it's always it's always great to win, you know, win at home again in, in Ellen Road for my first time. What a wonderful experience for me and for the team to get the win today, and it's a great start to the season. They're saying it's an own goal. <laughs> I touched it in there. I, it was in there, and I, th I came off my shin somewhere in there, so I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> it was all about the late run into the box shades of Frank Lampard. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've been working on in training this back post run and you always have to be there. You know, I mean, if I'm not there, then the guy can maybe clear it or something. So just making this back post run helps. Tell us a bit more about the experience of playing in the Premier League for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's you can tell how high the level is. You know, everybody's so technical. Wolves had, I mean, Wolves were tough today. You know, they moved the ball super well. They got it out to the other side, which hurts us because we like to compress and keep it on one side. So that was tough at one point. But, you know, we fought through it and we got the win. And I think we were good on the counterattacks. How important is it to get that three points on the board early? Oh, it's it's a huge, big, I mean, it's a big, awesome result for us, you know? I mean, to start the season with three points at the end of last year was tough to go out, but to start the year with three points is always great. 
There were some tense moments, but Melier in goal, a couple of fantastic saves. I mean, you see it from every single day. I think there was one day last last week where he's saving everything, and we're just shooting on him. You know, he has so much quality in goal. He's such a great goalie, so only a start. All right, some great info there from Brendan Aronson. I like that he actually gave us a hint at the tactics and what they like to do. Not that it's not present and you can't see it for itself, but when players or coaches reveal the things that they're doing and how other teams are breaking them down, it's just giving some fodder to you know future opponents that, hey, they like to press on one side, and, and if we can switch, then that'll unbalance them a little bit. So some something of note for Leeds, obviously, to move forward. Now, Greg Berhalter said this, Heath. Now, he said it before Brendan Aronson and, and Tyler and played this past weekend, but he said, so with Brendan, this is a quote from Greg Berhalter. So with Brendan, it's going to be important to see how he finishes his offensive actions with goals and assists at the Premier League level. It's a very, very difficult level. It will really, I think, increase his chances of being on the field at the World Cup if he can do it in the Premier League, the best league in the world, which we got to get Greg on just to talk to us about whether he really thinks that it's the best league in the world. Because I think La Liga at times can can say that uh, they've got some claim to that, especially after they were winning Champions Leagues over and over and over. Anyway, so so... Greg continues. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Is he able to perform offensive actions in the Premier League at a really high level? Now with Tyler, this is also Greg says for us, it's a combination of things. I think defensively for him to continue to work on his ball winning, which he's bordering on elite at. He's a very high level ball winner. Presses after losses is press after losses is huge for him as well. He really helps the group maintain possession when he's able to press the ball immediately after losing it. Then it's in, it's in buildup. Can he get on the ball? Can he break lines, find attacking players? One thing that we've been on him about is turning to face forward, passing forward, and taking more risks with the ball with his passing. I'd like to say that Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams passed the Greg Berhalter test this weekend, and we'll move on to some other players after this. What are your thoughts on what Greg had to say, what Brendan had to say as well? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I like what Brendan had to say because it's just kind of a, a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at, at, at what, they're, what they're doing, what they're building, and, and the buy-in that you have to have to be able to do that, right? Jimmy, you and I know maybe the game wasn't at the pressing pace of a lot of teams like we see now. Um, but you know that if you have one or two players off the mark or that aren't willing to do that, it doesn't matter what a coach wants to roll out. That That's mm -hmm. not going to happen. And then eventually a coach has to make those adjustments, right? If you have a, a, a striker that doesn't like to run a lot or a 10 or any of those things that are not uh, you know, always part of the, uh, the modern game as much, uh, it, it changes things. So to have that buy-in from your attacking players I think is really important. And they saw... The fruition of that, which I think helps them to double down in the future, is like, hey, we're going to press in these moments. We're going to win the ball in good spots. We're not going to probably be that great at building up or building through or passing through teams all the time. But here's ways that we can create chances throughout the game uh, that we can control. So I like that. For Greg Berhalter, it's interesting, man. I mean, what what are your what are your takes on on Greg Berhalter's comments there? Just because it feels like he's holding him to a really high standard, but at the same time, Brendan Aronson's playing week in and week out for Leeds, and and they're not just a relegation battle all season long where it's kind of a crapshoot Nor Norwich style. I would think that Brendan's earned quite a bit, one, in his performances with the national team, by and large, and also, uh, you know, in the way that he plays for the national team. Also fits in the way that, that uh, Greg Berhalter is trying to play now in terms of his pressing game. Well, I'd like to use Brendan as a symbol because I think this is a conversation we can have for a number of players if they're playing well for their club teams leading into the World Cup. But as it pertains to Greg's thoughts... I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if he's out there dominating the Premier League or at least showcasing that he can hang and and create opportunities consistently at this level, it's going to be really hard not to play him. And and we throw Christian Pulisic in there. It could be Timo Way. It could be Gio Reyna, who didn't end up playing against Bayer Leverkusen this past week, unfortunately. So, you know, these are – the. it's going to be interesting to see because, as you mentioned, Heath, he does tick a lot of boxes in the way that Greg likes to play. And I think it could get to the point where you have to play the guy. Now, I do think that we've sat here and discussed before that he has some incredible qualities of being a guy that could be an unbelievable super sub coming off the bench with that type of energy. When you're a defender and you're, you're 60 minutes into a game and now you got Brendan Aronson fresh off the bench with 30 minutes left, th there's some value there. And, and I think, Sadly, that might work against Brendan as he wants to be a starter, I'm sure. It's yeah, but Jimmy, my, but hold on R real quick, real quick. My thought on that, though, is, is and I, I, I'm right there with you. I go back and forth on this all the time, and I appreciate Albert's shout of, like, it's just one game in, let's not overhype. But, but then we shouldn't make the show. We got we to gotta ride the waves of some of these things to discuss well, them. Uh, uh, but there's deeper. people that, but what I I'm mean, saying there were to people, me, listen, but there were people that were, were shitting on Erling Holland after the Community Shield 
after one yeah. game, you know? So, I mean, it's just, it, it's ridiculous when they've shown that, that type of quality. I agree with you. So if we're not going to bash on people for one bad game, then we shouldn't be overhyping them on one. But what I think we can sit here and say, and then I'll let you get into it. Sorry for interrupting is that at least we've saw elements of Tyler and Brendan both being able to hold their own at this level against a team in Wolves that are very good defensively and one of the best defenses in the Premier League last season. They're super organized under this manager and coming off a full summer. This is their first game to prepare for, and they scored two goals, and they made things happen. So I think there is some value in that. But I think my big takeaway from the weekend was they didn't look out of place. That was my big fear. I was a little bit nervous before the game that they're going to get out there, and it's like, oh, those guys are Americans. They don't know what they're doing. And I didn't, it didn't feel that way after the 90 minutes was done, and that, that made me proud, if anything. Oh yeah, the, the fact that we're the fact that I'm nitpicking at at uh, at what Tyler Adams did in terms of a few times that he maybe overcommitted and didn't have the support behind him or or his transition speed when when the players got past him in the break as as sort of a deep lying six, like, those are good problems to have. It wasn't passing, it wasn't the speed of the game, it wasn't any like all the things that I worried about, Jimmy, and I'm sure you worried the same. None of it felt. Like uh, they were they were out of their depth, and that's a, that's a great sign, right? It's a validator for us because we know the quality of our players are, are are improving, but also just generally a validator for 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 the development that these players are going through. That that transition, you know, again, ten years ago, we'd all max out at a small Premier League club, uh, and at the prime of our careers uh, of players within our national team. Versus now, um, you have these guys coming in at a young age, and they're starting in the, in 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 the Premier League and looking comfortable, which I think is great. No, I think it's great too. So let's move on to a player that's been established in the Premier League for quite some time. Where's the number 10 shirt for Chelsea? Christian Pulisic, who, for whatever reason, can't get out of the doghouse that Thomas Tuchel has built for him, the super sub doghouse. And, and you know, I, I'm waiting for the conversations. Maybe we create the narrative. Maybe the narrative's already been created uh, on social media in some someplace out there, I'm sure, because everything exists on the internet in some capacity. Mm -hmm. But but if if maybe Brendan Aronson's our starter and Christian Pulisic because of all of his super sub stuff comes off the bench. I, I don't really want to put that into the universe because with Christian Pulisic is is playing and is hungry and is ready to go. I mean, imagine him. I still think that uh, I'm talking myself into circles, but team. I still want to see team away at the nine with Pulisic and and Aronson on either side, and then Gio Reyna at the ten would be sick. But anyway, before we get into the to the hypotheticals. The fact that he didn't start against Everton was a bit of a shame, but he came on and the, the the Chelsea team just looked a little bit different. They just had a little bit more edge, a little bit more unpredictability in how and what they were trying to do to get some opportunities on the Everton goal. I didn't think Mason Mount looked particularly good. I thought Kai Havertz, for the most part, was pretty invisible. It looks like Timo Werner is now headed back to RB Leipzig. Raheem Sterling was busy. He obviously drew the penalty and, and uh, got himself in some good spots, but... I just, I'm just curious if they're going to put Sterling at the false nine at some point, you got to give Pulisic a run of games. And if he can stay healthy, I hope that, and I think he will prove that he can, he can manage this. Now there's a, there's more quotes from Greg Berhalter and this is him speaking to the athletic. He said, uh, on Christian Pulisic this season with Chelsea, this is Greg Berhalter. I think if there's one player in our player pool that really understands how to deal with adversity and deal with the competition at the big clubs, it's Christian. He's been doing that at a young age at Dortmund, a big club in Germany, moving to Chelsea and just clawing his way into playing time and results and performance and goals and assists. And he has a great mindset about this year. I'm excited to see how he embraces the challenge. Anytime you're at a big club, there's always going to be competition for spots. Anytime you're an attacking player at a big club, there's always going to be competition for spots. But that's the way he's equipped himself to deal with that. He's going to be in a really good spot. And I can see him certainly performing at a high level and certainly making a big impact at Chelsea this year. That's Greg Berhalter on Christian Pulisic, who says a lot and then doesn't really say a lot at the same time. But, you know, what are you going to say when you're speaking kind of generally about a player without yeah. really knowing if he's going to start or not? Yeah, I mean, th th this this comment is true, right? He has challenged himself at every club that he's been at. Well, I guess the cl two clubs he's been at uh, from, from a very young age and mm -hmm. put himself in these positions where he's having to earn a starting spot. Now he's a squad player at Chelsea. He's not going to earn a starting spot at Chelsea. I just don't, I just don't see it happening. Now it could be a four to six week span uh, that he starts uh, regularly. And then he's back out again, which is again, for a player like that at Chelsea, he's going to be playing generally every game. He might not mm -hmm. start those games. He might start a game. That's a good situation, right? It's not a Ricardo Pepe. They sub four players that are attacking players, and he's the fifth mm -hmm. one to come on um, in the attack. It's not that. It's Christian Pulisic is first off the bench, second off the bench, a key player in Chelsea's success. He's just kind of gets rotated in and out. 
that's a good situation to be in if you're Christian Pulisic because he's dealt with the adversity. He knows how to handle that. That's why he continuously keeps himself in the conversation, even though we all know that he's probably not going to be the out-and-out starter under Thomas Tuchel because of uh, what we've seen over the last 12 months. That's uh, That I do think is is true, and that's very different than another player who maybe hasn't gone through that adversity like a Ricardo Pepe. He's just who came to top of mind. Um and and also isn't getting isn't getting the, the minutes, right? Christian Pulisic, what he's gonna play. He's not like he's gonna be buried in the bench for eight, eight weeks or twelve weeks and not get any minutes. They need him um to contribute to the team in the attack. It just might not always can, be from the start. Okay, can I can I throw in a Thomas Tuchel quote here? Because this this is actually driving me insane. He said yep. after the game, after their one zero win over Everton. They squeaked by, and it was a pretty boring game. I almost want all 90 minutes of my life back after watching that. Very old school Chelsea. Yes, this Tuchel said this to reporters after the game. I think we could use new energy and new legs and fresh input to bring us to a new level. If not, then we will push this team, but think we could use some more input and some more quality. He slightly added, we are on it, but we will not tell you. Right now, there are rumors about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang making a move back to the Premier League after uh, kind of now having to play second fiddle to Robert Lewandowski at Barcelona. And Obama Yang and Tuchel are familiar with each other. They shared some time together at Borussia Dortmund. I, 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 I find this interesting where a coach comes in, he's got so much talent at his disposal, and yet it's not enough. There's always, it's always not enough. And, and now he's got Todd Bowley, the new ownership, you know, ownership guy, and he's out there being really aggressive in the market. And getting all the players that Tuchel wants, getting rid of the players that Tuchel wants out, Lukaku in particular. And it's still not enough for this guy. Like, it's what point do you have to coach your team? You know, like you don't, I don't understand how this happens sometimes. I get that you need to maybe insert one or two guys, right? City goes and gets Hollands, Liverpool goes and gets Nunez, and you give a little bit of a different wrinkle to your team. I, I get that. One or two players. This Tuchel guy's, like, I don't, I'm not necessarily buying what he's selling anymore because as much as I thought he did an excellent job of getting them to win the Champions League, there's still something about how he performs. I, I, I don't This pisses piss me off about coaches in general. You have who you have. Make the best of what you have. And to go there and then kind of bitch about it after a game, it just drives me drives me insane that, especially if a, play, or a coach that has as much talent as he does, which other coaches would kill for, and yet he's still out there running his mouth that his quality isn't enough. Now, I know there's some coaches out there that try to motivate through the press and try to say things publicly to try to get more out of the guys that he has. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a little frustrated. And if I was Christian Pulisic reading this crap, I'd be like, all right, I don't. should I stay? Should I go? This sucks. This sucks. I'm clearly not one of his guys. Yeah. Anyway, I, rant, rant I over. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I fully I, I fully agree with you. I, I it, it is it it's is so, a frustrating thing because – so lame. I – I, I went through the extreme version of that when I was in Germany, where there is a little bit of this uh, playing with the press, you know, motivating through the press. Uh, you never know what's happening behind closed doors. Behind closed doors for me at, at, at my club, I was just also getting the same crap that I was getting thrown under the bus in the press for. And so that lack of happiness, that wears on players. And the thing is with coaches is you you go with what works. And Thomas Tuchel has gotten a lot of success out of, doing things this way. We saw this as the Jose Jose Mourinho way, but over time you wear down your players or you wear down your reputation. Uh, Maybe your trophies speak for themselves or your titles and things like that speak for themselves. But um, the players themselves start to like second guess just a little bit. And if you put a little bit of doubt that somebody goes, oh, you don't like me or this is personal, it's hard to motivate players. And I could see that uh, having some sort of long-term effect on, on this team. And so... I'm with you, Jimmy. Like I, I'm, it's, I'm right there with you on that one. It's frustrating, and I, I don't really you, see it part of the part of you, the. You get paid millions of dollars to coach, like coach, then coach. Stop bitching about what you don't have, and coach the players that you do, which includes motivating players that maybe aren't playing as well as you want them to, putting them in situations that plays to their strengths instead of maybe Dang, playing Jimmy a formation does not like Thomas Tuchel guys. It's not uh, today. Today, I absolutely do not like Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> I, I like that him. today. That's a smart one. I, I respect what he's done and what he's achieved, but when you look out over his career, he doesn't last very long at clubs. And I think it's to your point that he wears out his his welcome and that his his style wears down the players. I in I don't know. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm I'm kind of now getting into different types of themes here. But let's focus now back on the players. And obviously Christian Pulisic will always be a topic here. We're not gonna ever shy away from talking about him in a situation, but let's talk about Chris Richards because 
He didn't play for Crystal Palace against Arsenal. And I think that's a good thing because Crystal Palace didn't look very good and Arsenal looked pretty good. But I saw some vulnerabilities in that back line for Crystal Palace where maybe Chris Richards could sneak into a starting position or at least get a chance at starting here very soon if they continue to play the way that they did. Any, any comments on that? Also, we got to give a shout out to another center back, Tim Ream, who I thought was very good as the captain of Fulham against Liverpool. He, he made some comments afterwards, and Anthony Robinson was solid too. Obviously, going up against Mo Salah, he's not going to win every one of those 1v1 battles, but I think we saw enough of, of what he's capable of and what he ob obviously all of our players need to continue to work on. But I thought that was a good, admirable, uh, playing on the front foot, going to be aggressive performance from Fulham. They weren't going to take any shit from Liverpool, and I love that. And, and I thought it was reflected in the 2-2 result that they – they didn't just sit back and absorb. They actually tried to take it to him, and, and that was impressive. And I'm curious to see if Fulham can maintain that under Marcus Silva for another 37 games. But right now, great start in that regard. Uh, and I think that's – oh, so – and then we'll get into the goalkeepers that I want to talk about that are all playing in England right now. But but uh, any thoughts on Chris Richards, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, Heath Pierce? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I we've gone through this before where like you said Tim Ream never really had the success at at the Premier League level that you want for for to be in national team contention but that doesn't mean it's too late now i think he's born in 87 i i believe so that would make him what 30 he's 34 i think 34 yeah like as as a solid op option i will say this tim ream in a national team is a great leader tim ream has uh great quality is about him as a teammate and a fantastic guy. Ask anybody, right? It's not just me creating a bias here. Um, the other person that I think had a great weekend was Austin Trusty at Birmingham, and who hasn't That's been right. talked about. He's now started two games in the championship, and they've won one and drawn one. So they're on four points after two games. Yes, it's a very long season. But Austin Trusty obviously signs with Arsenal um, from Colorado and then now um, was put on loan. I think that's another player that, you know, maybe hasn't made it to the national team standard, but is worth having uh, or keeping an eye on in the championship for what he's going to have to go through at, at a club like that playing in a back three. Yeah, no, that's a good shout on Austin trustee. I also want to mention that uh, Josh Sargent from a championship perspective came on in the 77th minute for Norwich. Uh, the game ended one, one for him, but let's talk about our goalkeeper situation because some of them are in the championship and one is not, he's in the premier league, but he's watching Aaron Ramsdale play for Arsenal instead, which might be to his benefit by not playing because Zach Steffen made another mistake in Burroughs 3-2 loss to QPR. One where he's come out flapping on a corner kick. He misses it and they get a header that made it 2-0 to QPR. It's, it's just, this is difficult. Uh, I think that Zach Steffen probably has better feet than Matt Turner, though Matt Turner has come out and tried to prove that he does and is improving on his feet. But Matt Turner, I think, does a better job of managing his box, I think, than Zach Steffen. So it might just come down to who who do we want to have out on the fields? And it's becoming clear that Zach Steffen, is, he struggled against Costa Rica and, and woke up qualifying when he came out and was just flapping and, and just felt a little bit casual when he came out as opposed to really owning and dominating his box. He obviously has the physical presence to do so. It's a matter of just having the confidence to back up that physical presence. And... and by Matt Turner not playing, in some ways, I think he gained this week on Zach Steffen because Zach Steffen made that mistake. Now, Ethan Horvath, also playing in the championship for Luton Town, had a 1-1 draw, uh, made a couple basic saves, but you still got to make those, right? You can't make those mistakes. And uh, so I think he kind of stayed stayed the course. No high, no low, but nice and steady, which you want from your goalkeepers as well. Any, any thoughts on our goalkeeper situation? Because Zach Steffen needs minutes. He needs to continue to get rolled out there. And I fear that if he makes another mistake or two he could be on the bench and now we're back to him being on the bench again and that's not the look that yeah. Zach Steffen needs heading into this I would say that if Zach Steffen weathers these storms and just for better or for worse is playing consistently and not standing out for these major errors then he probably is my starter in my book again it's after just a a, a couple of weekends of of matches and and Matt Turner sitting on the bench for six months and Zach Steffen playing, I think Zach Steffen will have the best chance of finding his way out of that and into form. What I don't like about Zach Steffen's game right now and what we've associated him with is that he's playing so rarely that when he does play, now that he's he's going to get a consistent run now and hopefully that changes things, or I hope he gets the consistent run, the high highs and low lows of Zach Steffen make me very nervous and, and, and me as a national team fan, very nervous in terms of that trust and confidence, right? Jimmy, you again have been through it. When you look back behind you, 
and you see that goalkeeper, you know that there are ones that you trusted and ones that you don't trust in terms of like when to come off the line, when to sit on their line, when they're mm-hmm. coming out to clear the ball, you know, that decision making. And I've played with a few that have also played in the national team or gotten national team appearances that I never had that trust with behind me of just like I know they're going to make that play when they have to, whether we're winning, losing, they're just dialed in in a different way. And, and, Zach Steffen doesn't currently have that, right? He's 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 making errors playing outside of his game or taking chances when he shouldn't that I think are hurting him in the short term. But the fact that he's got this clear runway to matches, I think he'll bounce back if he continues to play. And so, yeah, um, I know that's kind of a roundabout answer that I I, I still think well, Zach Steffen's still best primed to start in the World Cup based on he's his He's got to get those minutes, especially if Matt Turner's not getting any other minutes outside of cup competitions. And there's not going to be that many of those because I think they're trying to cram in a whole bunch of stuff pre-World Cup, and then uh, saving a lot of that for for the Cup comp- competition. Not all of them, but but some of them for for the post-World Cup stuff. So a different type of schedule this year. Hopefully, though, that Matt Turner can get some minutes, and we'll see. We'll see what's happening as well. Sean Johnson, another one of our goalkeepers, didn't, uh, didn't shower himself in glory this weekend against Columbus Crew. Tried to play a ball out of, of the back. He hit it short and then got chipped by Zello Rayon. And, you know, it's just not maybe not our best weekend for for goalkeepers but uh definitely want to throw sean johnson in there as someone that maybe isn't taking advantage of a potential opportunity to to get on this world cup team as well gaga selena who just announced he's going to chelsea uh was part of a 3-2 win for the chicago fire so yeah lots to discuss with our goalkeepers nothing solidified for me in that particular position just yet but uh we'll be keeping our eyes on that all right we're going to take our first and only break of in soccer we trust when we come back we're going to take a deep dive into our players that are outside of england including in MLS, so don't go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, big news, everybody. Paramount Plus is the only place to stream every minute of every Serie A match. And you can quickly and easily sign up for your very own account right now with a free one-month trial by going to ParamountPlus.com forward slash Italy. Just click the try it free button and use promo code Italy for instant access to the best Italian club. Calcio is what they call soccer over there available across all of your devices. Visit ParamountPlus.com forward slash Italy and start streaming today. You know, there's only one American Heath Pierce that is playing in Serie A this particular season, Weston McKinney, and he's currently hurt with a dislocated shoulder. So it's going to be a little bit of, but that's a great deal. Serie A was fantastic last season. And I'll add very quickly, because this is turning into in calcio we trust instead of in soccer we trust, that that I think that Serie A is the most interesting league in the top five leagues in Europe because it's pretty wide open. I think that AC Milan, Inter, Juventus, and Roma's an out, outside, outside, outside chance with Jose Mourinho can figure it out with all of his new collection of signings. And that's the other, the other ones, you know, Germany's locked up. France is locked up by one team. Two-horse race in England two-horse race in Spain, assuming that Barcelona's accountants can keep cooking the books. You know, and so so I just feel like Italy's the most wide open, which I think makes it the most interesting. So make sure you sign up again, paramountplus.com slash Italy to get a free month and get in on the Serie A action. All right, Hollywood Heath Pierce, let's go to the Bundesliga and let's talk about Jordan Pifok. He's got two games with Union Berlin and two goals. He scored 
in the opening weekend of the DFB Pokal, which is the German Cup competition. And then he just scored in the Berlin Derby against Hertha in Union Berlin's big win. I believe it was 2 or 3-1. What are we saying about Jordan Pifok in terms of a real viable option? Because he started scoring goals last year consistently for young boys in Switzerland, was the Golden Boot winner. And now he's keeping that trend going for a whole new club and a whole new league. And I think that's pretty impressive. And I think it's going to be very similar to, to potentially Brendan Aronson. If everybody keeps it going and playing the way that they're going, you have to put them on the team because we need different options. We can't have the same. We, I, I, my big issue, and we just lost Heath because his Wi-Fi is, is terrible. My big issue, everybody, is that we might take a roster of strikers that all have similar traits. And I feel like we need a Jordan Pifok or a Daryl DK or a Haji Wright that's going to give us the opportunity to solve different problems. Let's say we go down against Wales or Iran or 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 England. How, and they're, they're, they're naturally going to sit back. And if they sit back, we're going to need a different type of look, a different type of presence up top battling with those center backs as we start to take a grip of the game because they're sitting back and there's more space for us to take advantage of. Hi, Heath. I went off on a rant on our, on our number nine situation. But, but Jordan Pifok absolutely killing it right now. And I think if he keeps scoring goals, I mean, you have to take him. Yeah. No, nope, you don't have to take I mean, him. We, we've got luxury right now. And the fact that we are able to look, I, I don't say we have luxury. I mean, some places, some countries have luxury. We, more, more, got, more than we, more than we have before, I'd say, especially mm -hmm. in certain positions on the team. That, that I will agree with you. If PFOC, again, what I would agree with is that we don't want to get too caught up in, into what PFOC did last season and, and and this weekend, it's a reason for excitement, but we've still got a big window of time. And it's all, team, are you giving me? Are you giving me the? It's only one game, Heath. Are you no, giving no, me I, that? I will say this only give, because those of the, the vibes that, like, I'm picking up from you. It's only if one Jordan Pifok <laughs> is playing consistently. He's going to the World Cup. Period. Okay, like he's on the plane. Twenty six players, an attacking player like that. Uh, uh, whether you whether Greg likes him as a starter, which I don't think he would, or as a circumstantial player to come in, bang heads in the box. You know, you're whipping it into the mixer, closing out ten minutes. You got a big body there. Like he's going to be going if he's playing consistently for sure. But I do like that his game continues to grow and he continues to have to, you know, if you go back last season, Jimmy was like, yeah, but it's a young boys and this is in the, 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 you know, Swiss league. And like, you know, it's right. like anybody scores in the Swiss league that type of thing. And now going to the Bundesliga, have an opener, get a chance. You score a goal uh, for a union. Goal. Berlin that had a yeah. fantastic yeah. season last year that many people thought were going to drop maybe back to a little, maybe lower mid table this year. And you come out with a result in the beginning. And so that's the situation to me where I'm like, okay. And it was in the Derby. Like, that's a big game against Hertha Berlin. Like, that's a big deal. Uh, and to score that and to kick off his 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 tenure there at the Bundesliga level, I think is a great start for us as the national team of just having more and more options. Might not be the ideal player we want to play um, uh, for our national team as a starter. But if we get to the World Cup and he's in the best form, then you're going to have to make do. Yeah, you're going to have to make do and you're going to have to make some tough choices as to who you want to go with. Now, obviously when he's on the field where we try to attack and how we try to attack and how we try to provide him service is going to be a little bit different than we, if we have a Ferreira that likes to drop in or even a Pepe that likes to drop in and, and combine and try to create those numerical advantages in front of the back four, and then maybe find our wingers that are trying to get in behind. I think PFOC is a little bit more, let's get the ball wide and I'll get on the end of crosses. And that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with either one of those strategies. It's just, you got to play to the strengths of the players that are on your team. And so that's, Obviously, something that's going to be a big deal. And of course, from Greg Berhalter's perspective, what are you doing when we don't have the ball? I think that is important for any coach, but we know that Greg puts a big emphasis on that, especially when we're trying to trap the ball and win the ball back in certain areas. And I don't know. I think that might be the knock on PFOC more than anything else. All right. Speaking of other players that played in Germany this past weekend, Ricardo Pepe subbed on in the 75th minute of Augsburg's 4-0 home loss to Freiburg. Not a good look. Uh, after he came on, they scored three minutes later. But they, to your point and what you said earlier, they brought on four other attacking players before they brought on Ricardo Pepe, which makes me get the sense that he's probably not training well. And then Joe Scali uh, got subbed out in the 84th minute of Gladbach's 3-1 home win over Hoffenheim. Uh, Hoffenheim played a man down from the 19th minute uh, after going up a goal and get, going up a goal in the 25th minute. So it was good to see uh, Joe Scali get out there and, and be a vital member to start the season. So that's a big deal. Uh, Julian Green, we're going to uh, Bundesliga 2. Uh, subbed out in the 83rd minute of Gritta Fifth's 1-1 home draw. Uh, George Bella subbed on in the 72nd minute for Armenia Bielefeld and their 2-1 loss at Hansa Rostock. 
And uh, Terrence Boyd scored for Kaiserslautern in their 2-1 home win over St. Pauli. So those are kind of uh, our names in Germany. Yeah. No, no, no big, oh, outside of Gio Reyna, who didn't end up, he was on the bench, but didn't play against Bayer Leverkusen. Jimmy, Even people were we crazy about this Gio Reyna being shopped thing. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. Well, we, we, you know, that was on, on the uh, Kegel Lasso podca- podcast, myself and Ian, Ian Joy jumped on to, to kind of um, do the season preview for the Bundesliga. And, and that's what he had mentioned that there was, there was some, some, um, outlets that were suggesting that Gio Reyna might be uh, not surplus because he's unbelievable quality, but just might need a different, uh, a change of scenery. You look at a game like that and and he didn't come off the bench. And I just wonder, you know, do you think there's any merit to that? Do you think they're just resting him? And why would a player be on the bench if they're not fully healthy and fit and able to contribute is, is my whole thing. Like don't use him if you don't have to. I mean, I don't know when, where, where, when, where, do, you, I, I, where do you think he would go at this moment? I mean, I don't know if any of it's true. I haven't actually seen any of the the, the outlets that that have posted that. Um, I'm looking for it right or, now. Or look for anything. it, so I don't want to de- devalue if, if that is the case. But I'm not sure where the right situation would be. Dortmund seems like the perfect place for him to be in terms of a I young agree. player developing and the, I agree. And, and the respect that he's gotten in the short amount of time that he's been there. It's just more about um, you know being healthy. And, and I know what it's like when you have, again, Jimmy, to tap into your career. You remember there was players with you that were just – couldn't get fit all the potential in the world and it's almost it's almost worse when they have a ton of potential but unavailable right because it just right. changes the dynamic in the way in which you want to play because a Gio Reyna on the field he's a sure starter at Dortmund for sure in my book the quality that he has but when you always think that he's close and you're prepping for that and you don't have it you kind of are forced to go like well do I take a replacement do I change the way that I'm going to play and that sort of thing that it can be hard on a manager or hard on a club to always feel like somebody is like, you know, that their return is imminent um, and, and the role that they plan to play. So I'm not sure what the right club would be. I'm guessing that's not the case. I just hope that he's fully fit and ready to go. Yeah, same. I, I agree with you just on on the health. Even if he does make a move, I, I feel like that's going to be unlikely. I feel like there'd be a little more smoke around that particular situation. But he didn't start. And up top, the three, Bruce Dortmund had Daniel Malin, uh, Mukoko, and Adeyemi, who they just signed from RB Salzburg. And Adeyemi went out in the 23rd minute, which makes me think it was a bit of an injury because mm-hmm. Thorgan Hazard came in, which makes me think that Eden Tursic, the manager of Bruce Dortmund, probably wasn't going to use Giorena for long. He's only played 45 minutes the previous game and maybe don't want to risk him. And, and let's be honest, I think there was a bit of a risk here because they rushed back Giorena last time and he got hurt again. So they're probably going to be overcautious to make sure that he is completely fit. And then and then in midfield, they had Bellingham, who's excellent. I love Jude Bellingham, uh, Marco Royce, and Dahoud. And, and so when I look at the first subs, or the ones that happened up top, you see that Julian Brandt came in in the 68th minute for Makoko. And I feel like that could be an area where, well, why not Gio in the 68th minute? Why Julian Brandt? So, so that would be my only question mark, but but uh, let's see. What I mean, there has been situations, Jimmy, where 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 you get brought in, you get the feel again, beyond the bench, kind of with the team. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a yeah. really important factor for confidence. But at the same time, I look and go, well, like, is he fit? Then why wouldn't you want to get him? Like, what's better than being in with a team is getting five, ten minutes. And of course, it's circumstantial. Right. It's not as always easy. But you know how coaches have plans where it's like, I'm going to give you ten or fifteen, or I'm going to get you in at this point just to get the feel again. Like that sort of stuff is part of a rehabilitation plan or a return to to play plan. So I don't want to read too much into it again. There's we'll find out in the we'll find in the out next weeks. Yeah, well, um, Friday th- this Friday they play on ESPN Plus uh, against Freiburg. I think yeah. that game kicks off uh, noon my time, 3 p.m. Eastern, and that'll give us more of uh, more fodder, I'd, I'd say, to as to what his plans are, what Tursic's plans are in terms of playing him. If he doesn't play against Freiburg and sits on the bench again, then I'm going to get a little bit nervous. All right, let's well, move over by the to way, the, the thing on uh, that I wanted to say back when we were on Ricardo Pepe is they subbed out the front four attackers, two strikers, two mm. wingers, and Ricardo Pepe wasn't in that mix. And that to me was like, man. Well, where does he fit into your team then? Like, what is he? Uh, did, did you tell me once that he has a reputation for not training well? Or am I making I, that up? It, I, th- I think it was Charlie who had said that there was a uh, reputation for not training training well, like just being focused and dialed in at training um, was, was what was coming out of, of, of perhaps Germany at the time. Um, and so that was maybe it was. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to say I'm trying to think who it was actually that said that might have been. I feel like somebody said that and somebody said me. Yeah. But, but you know, when you look at a situation like that, a young player that we're holding such high hopes on in terms of developing, not just for the national team for this world cup, but just as a player that needs minutes, uh, that was a little bit discouraging 
uh, to find out. He came on. I saw him get one half chance from a side angle. Um, as soon as he subbed on, that notification hit my box, and and uh, I watched <laughs> the final. You have your own Ricardo Pepe notification. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm so so I'm he a got brought Ricardo in. Pepe stand. He got brought in at exactly the 75th minute. That feels very planned. Yeah, you know, not to, not to say the other ones weren't, but it felt very planned that he got brought into the 75th minute. Also, it's got to hurt Augsburg that uh, Michael Gregorich, who was on Augsburg last season, scored and had an assist because he plays for Freiburg now. Um, Freiburg are so good; um, they're really good and really well and, coached. And, and when Ricardo Pepe came on, it was three nil, and within like two minutes, it was four nil. Um, and and yeah, so not no, again, they're very good. I continue they're very good. to worry about the situation, Ricardo Pepe, but um, and also George Bello. You know, second Bundesliga, uh, that's it's it's a crapshoot. And if you're not starting there, it's hard, you know, because you're going with a club that's an elevator club and they're they're going to go for results. And those are situations where they're going to try to go with experience to yeah. know, you know, get as many points as you can early in the season. All right, let's talk a little uh, Scottish premiership. We had Cameron Carter-Vickers go the 90 minutes for Celtic and their 3-1 win over Ross County. And then we had two Americans starting for Rangers as Malik Tillman started uh and and so did james sands in the back line for rangers against livingston and and having malik watched tillman, that's the guy's name from last week Jimmy. yes malik tillman that's his name he wears yeah. the number 71 shirt for rangers and and i like what's what giovanni van bronckhorst is doing with him he's moving him around a little bit and giving him that freedom to find the areas to attack and we saw him pick up the ball out wide we saw him a lot pick up the ball in between the lines and he's active, very similar to to give you a, a if, if you didn't get to watch it, he 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 catches a lot of balls on the half turn. So he's always looking to go forward, play forward. And if he continues to play, and I think this has been a really great move for him so far, he's getting a little bit more space than maybe he would have found if he was trying to fight, you know, in, in Bayern Munich training or, or Bayern Munich two or whatever it is. I like this spot. He can build confidence in this area. He's got a really well-respected coach that knows what he's doing and probably knows how to get the most out of him. And if Malik Tillman can continue to find uh, the ball in these areas, he is he is very dangerous. And we need his types of players getting some confidence. So I think, man, again, we're just talking about the luxury area of our national team player pool. This, this is one of those spots in central midfield and our, and our wingers. We are, we are definitely feeling uh, blessed with this generation of players. So, Going to keep our eyes on Malik Tillman. I wanted to tell you that I thought he was excellent, that he was busy, and that he was creating chances and, and being dangerous. And I think that's very good. And James Sands, of course, uh, doing what he needed to do to get the clean sheet, very solid and good passer of the ball. I don't know if it's going to be enough for James Sands to sneak into the team for the World Cup roster. Maybe Tim Ream takes it. I don't know. But I still think uh, it's not outside the realm of possibility for either one of those. And then we have to talk about this. And I wish Charlie Chuck Wagon was here because we want to start a new segment called Chuck Chuck Market. Uh, not transfer market, but Chuck market, because mm -hmm. I want to put Charlie on blast because Brandon Vasquez from FC Cincinnati scored again. And it wasn't mm -hmm. like against some crap team that has a bad defense. And I don't know why I'm thinking about the San Jose earthquakes. I love you, San Jose earthquakes, but you, more often than not, historically over the last four or five years, the defense has been terrible. But but they did it against the Philadelphia Union, who one of the best defensive teams in the whole league and uh, the whole team played really, really well. And I thought Brendan Vasquez was again uh, active and of course scored a very important goal in the game. The first one for FC Cincinnati. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on any of the three guys I mentioned, but uh, I wanted to hear from Charlie about Brendan Vasquez because he's still scoring goals. At what point do you just give this guy a look? All I would say for about Brendan Vasquez before I pass it over to you. And for anybody else that wants to chime in, or if you want to hit us up on Twitter, ISWT pod on the Twitters, drop us a follow too. We'd appreciate that. If this guy's scoring goals, why not bring him into the September window, right? You got Japan, we got Saudi Arabia. You don't necessarily have to play him, but you just get him in at a, like a get a proper training going, give him like 30, 40. You're going to know, you and I both know, Heath, we've been around. If the guy's got the goods, it's pretty evident pretty early on. It's not like we need to see. You know, I need another day to know for sure. Like we know you can see it based yeah. on confidence and the little things and how they turn and, <clears throat> and and what they want and how they're holding it up. Like you can we can identify that in the first five or ten minutes of playing with somebody. Right. And there's no question. Yeah. So why not bring him in and see how he assimilates with the group and can. Oh, great. Well, wow. Look at he really combines. Well, he really understands how how Pulisic wants to move or how Brendan wants to move or wow. Look at that connection already with Gio Reyna just in little things. I think that can happen in training. And then maybe you give him 15 minutes at the end of one of those games if you wanted to see him. But but I don't want to get – I guess this is where where I go back to 2010. I'm on a Jimmy rant again today. Uh, where, where we go back to 2010, 
And we call in three strikers that weren't really a part of the player pool leading up to the World Cup. We got Hercules Gomez that comes in. We got Edson Buttle. And we have, uh, help me out with the last one. I can't think of his name right now. Robbie, Robbie Finley. Finley. Robbie Finley. So we have these three guys who weren't, who weren't really part of the buildup. And then all of a sudden they make the team because they're on fire and they're playing really, really well. Well, why not? Instead of waiting where, where Brandon Vasquez could make that a very difficult conversation for you. Like, all right, we're going to take him. Why not bring him into the group prior to that so that at least there's some type of history and they, you have an idea, just a little bit of an idea of what he can provide to your team. That's all I'm asking. I'm not saying you got to start I, the guy at number nine, right? Every time we come in here, we're pro MLS and blah, 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 blah. We, we always get pushback. But but goals are goals, man. And if we have guys that are scoring goals, Jordan Pifok, Brendan Aarons, I don't give a shit. Put them in the team. Just see what they look like before we have to make the ultimate decision about who we're going to take to the to, to the World Cup. I think that... that that should be done, and I, th- I think he's done enough to at least warrant that that uh, call-in. Sorry, I'm done. Keep going. Well, it seems like Greg Berhalter <laughs> makes his mind up pretty quickly on players, which is both a blessing and a curse on the times that he gives them chances, right? Um, when when he brought in Conrad, looked off the pace. Conrad hasn't been back in. Conrad's not playing a ton of minutes um, over over the last months in in Europe or before the before the summer break. But when I look at Vasquez, it's another player where again. He has to come in and show that like he brings something different, right? It's one thing to have a player that's in form and come in and be like, okay, another pool player uh, doesn't really like, how is he different than PFOC? You know, mm-hmm. how is he, mm-hmm. how is he different? How, what di- different dynamic? Does he hold the ball better? Does he scrap better? Does he press better? Is he more committed to certain things that I need from, from my players? Like, does he have more tools that make him different than just another player that's in form right now? I think that's important to bring into the team this late. Um, I do think it would be a shock to just bring him into a World Cup that late. Uh, and we and, did that before. We've done it before with, with we, plenty of players. And I don't know if uncapped players, though. Like, you know, Hurley yeah, Gomez had fair. been capped, and Buttle had been capped, and you know, maybe maybe in and out for a decade at that point. But like, um, and, and and Robbie Finley as well, who had been part of like I think he played in the Gold Cup and and whatever. So it wasn't like an uncertainty. So I think that this is the last chance. To bring him in and see, does he have the tools? Is he, does he does he bring something different, or is he just another big target striker that can score goals when he's in form? You know, I, I can you do that at the international level? Can you can you do all the little things just a little bit better than the person next to you that makes you stand out? I think that's really important to to, to see. And the only way you see that is to bring him in into an intense training environment and see how quickly he adapts. No, no. I mean, to your point, I'm looking at Robbie Finley and Edson Buttle's player profile. They both had stints with the U20s, U23s, so known commodities, and they both finished with 11 caps. Uh, Hercules Gomez, I'm not sure if he was part of our of our stuff moving forward, but in terms of caps overall, you know, he just blew up at the right time and obviously doing it at a, at a good level. He had 24 caps for the U.S. and and six goals during that time. So you're right. Th- th- those guys were those guys un- had 11 caps. That's crazy to me. And you go to a World Cup. I mean, that's how, how it all works. It's, 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 yeah, it's time. There's, there's, some timing. there's some timing. I, I, I guess just to reiterate that scoring goals is hard. And if you have guys that are feeling confident and playing well, I just think that you, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to give them a look and it, and it can just be a training and you can get, you don't have to be the only one that decides. You can obviously have assistant coaches, your whole coaching staff, but you also have players that you know are going to be on the team. And like, Hey, what, what do you think about him? Why wouldn't you get that feedback? Any coach is going to ask feedback from certain players that he really values their opinions. You don't have to say, hey, you're picking my team for me. I just need some insights on, uh, is he looking up? Is he looking for you? How, how do, do you feel like he supports you in good ways? And I'm obviously talking about all of our talented wingers and midfielders. And I think that has to be thrown into the conversation. All right, talking. right, let's go to Liga. I didn't really get into this. Uh, Eric Palmer-Brown started and played 89 minutes in Tua's 3-2 loss to Montpellier away from home. Uh, Timo Weah was suspended, so he didn't get to play for Lille this past weekend. And then if we move to Spain, that that starts, and Italy starts this upcoming weekend, so we don't have anything. But Valencia did play against Atalanta in a friendly. Yunus Musa started centrally for Valencia in their 2-1 win against the Italian side, so that is very good news. And uh, no Luca De La Torre updates for you at the moment, but we're obviously very excited to see if he's going to be part of the starting 11 in Celta Vigo's first game of the season any other players that I'm missing? I know that I know there's a ton, but those are the ones that I had kind of written down. Hey, uh, I, I, I wanted to uh, not not to get caught up because I was a little bit distracted right now. I was looking at the con- contributions of those strikers that you just named for 2010. Hercules Hercules played in three of the four games in the World Cup. Edson okay. Buttle was was a sub in two, and Robbie Finley played 
in 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 three games, and I think started the group stage games. Like you talk about late players that are actually contributing. Again, this goes back to having to find alternatives to to Charlie Davies, who was in an accident um, during during the qualifying. Yes, yes, yes. But those were three players, and it wasn't like three players and you hope for one perfect circumstance to throw them in. It wasn't a Chris Wondolowski against, against, against um, Belgium. Those were all, all three of those players in form without having real national team experience leading up to that, like, like consistent national team experience played in that world cup, which is a pretty so, wild thought. So it looks like uh, Hercules Gomez had four caps going into that world cup in 2010. Yeah. So, which would so, have been um, Czech Republic where he scored in the lead up uh, and friendlies. Yeah. Um, and that was the last game before they selected the roster. And I, I think he scored in that game. I remember. Um, and then um, I would guess a, the, the, a few more through, throughout uh, throughout that that window of time. Like I'm trying to think. Yeah. Robbie Finley had eight, eight, eight caps prior to that World Cup. Yep. And then you have um, Edson Buttle. Who. He had. Oh, Jimmy, three after. of three of of Hercules's four caps leading up were before the World Cup. No, sorry. Right. Yeah, three. So we would have had Czech, no, two. Czech Republic and Australia before the World Cup started. Um and I and and I'm trying to think where else there 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 would have been. First cap against Argentina 2000 Copa. Oh, yeah, 2007 Copa America. So he played Copa He's he with played us. Uh, He's with us Colombia America. and Argentina. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then and then uh, and then he had the two lead up matches, Australia and Czech Republic. Those were his four caps going into a World Cup and he and 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 got World Cup minutes, you know. And yeah, so Edson, I Edson Buttle had three or four caps coming into the World Cup, too. These guys weren't, weren't very well capped leading up to it, I guess is yeah. the way to say it. But you're right to, to Brandon Vasquez's point in particular. He potentially could have zero caps if he but if he blows up and scores 25 plus goals in MLS and he's definitely on target to do that. It would be really interesting. And I know that he's one of the top five goals plus assist contributors in MLS this season. He's number four and uh, the only American on the list. And obviously he just got named to the MLS all-star team uh, as a replacement. I don't know. There's just, there's just some buzz about him. And naturally so he's playing for a team in MC Cincinnati that are doing a lot of great things. Lucho Acosta, one of his teammates is number two on that list in terms of goals and assist contributions in MLS this season. So there's something going right for Pat Noonan's team. We got to get Pat on the, on just to talk about Brendan Vasquez at some point, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's worth having the conversation and, and I don't know what else a guy can do to get a look and we have a window to give him a shot. And, and I, why wouldn't we take that? We did it with Haji, Wright, And, uh, he was playing well. We gave him a look and, um, I don't know. The jury's still out. I suppose if he starts well in Turkey, then, then maybe we bring him back in. Obviously he's got a great relationship with Christian Pulisic, which, which probably matters in some capacity for on the balance of who to take, but that's the way it goes, man. That's the way it goes. So anyway, final thoughts, before we let everybody go, Heath Pierce, about this big weekend, obviously we have a, a big, big, big uh, two shows coming up this week as well. We got some special guests planned, so that should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, another weekend to prepare for now that Spain and Italy are going to get started as well. Honestly, Jimmy, I've spent the last two minutes just Googling players that are coaches in the league and how many caps they had with the national team. Uh, so I was full-blown dis- distracted. But yeah, I, I, know. I was looking you at Pat Noonan. You don't listen, to me. Pat you don't listen so to me at all anyway. So, so I started searching Pat Noonan, and then it led me to... Uh, Wait, how many caps does Pat have? Uh, I think it was 11, uh, if I saw correctly. Yeah. Um, then I he ended up on Kerry Zabagin, who had 21. 15 caps. 15? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I don't know how I got there. So I'm I'm out of closing th- closing thoughts, but I'm just in this deep dive now of like uh, you know players that are now coaches in the league that had national team experience that I remember playing matches with uh, and where they are now, how many they ended up with because I just don't remember. And there was just there's players that will shock you at how many they had. There's players that will shock you how few they had. That's just the way the national team and timing and how it all works. Okay, well, speaking of that, and this is a nice segue. Let's talk about Jossie Zardes had a hat trick for Colorado Rapids against Minnesota United. This past week and talk about a player that I still can't believe how many caps he has. He has 67 caps for the U.S. Yep. men's national team. The last time I saw that, it blew my mind. It still blows my mind. But uh, fair play to him. 30-year-old scored three. Looked very just he was on top of it. He looked really sharp in this game against Minnesota. And yes, maybe they gifted him a goal or two. But you got to take advantage of those gifts. And he definitely did. So maybe he's a, a late, late shot as well if he's begging him in. I yeah. don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, hey. I would love to know in the comments who they think the most capped player in national team history is that didn't go to a World Cup. Ooh. I know one over 50. 
Um, but there's got to be somebody. Steve Ralston or Connor Casey? I don't know if Connor Casey would be. I was gonna, I was gonna end the show, but now I'm really curious. <laughs> I don't know the answer. I don't, I, well, I don't know. Steve the Ralston has answer. 36 caps and four goals. I don't think Connor Casey. No, has. Connor Casey only had 19. Sasha okay. Kleshen had 52. And didn't go to a World Cup. No. Well, that whole generation of guys, though, that didn't qualify in 2018, there's probably yeah. plenty of guys that are on in that. I group. don't think so. Because you don't think so? Most of those guys were were would have gone to a World Cup. Like Dax McCarty is in the teens for for matches, but like Sasha was one that was 52 because he was on the bubble. Wow. And he'd been in for a while. And I'm just uh, and then 2018 would have been would have been uh no, he didn't make 2014. No, he didn't. So yeah. Wow. And I don't Sasha know. We'll question. find out. Yeah. Wow. Poor guy. That sucks. That's a lot of caps to not get any of the the rewards for for putting that type of time into the men's national team program. All right, everybody, we're going to call it a show. It's not we trust is done. It is finished, but we got two shows coming up for you on Thursday and Friday. We'll kick off at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, and then the same as today for Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, and I guess Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, and of course, Hollywood Heath Pierce, who's always in it, Right from the get-go, because he doesn't have a super yacht and a helicopter and mahogany and limo drivers and all that type of stuff. But he's working towards it. And I'm Jimmy Conrad. Thank you for listening in Soccer We Trust and watching, of course. And we'll see you soon. Later. <laughs>